you are listening to Anchor FM. And this is Law, this is Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast where I recap episodes of Law and Order SVU. Good morning, this is BD Rose. And how was your weekend so far, huh? Okay, so I just want to thank you fans for listening in and try to break down certain scenes on the SVU and all that stuff. So, so um, now I'm right here. It's raining outside, it's miserable, and all that stuff. I mean, the sun should be out, and you're supposed to be having a nice time. So, let me try. Let me go tell you. Um, I was watching um SVU and organized crime last week. And SVU, they had a story. It's like a racially motivated story. It's about a black. It's about this black dude that he working at a pizza shop, and he's living in a hotel where where most of the residents are registered sex offenders. All right. So anyway, so what happened was he been he was he was accused of kidnapping and murdering this white girl who works with who works with him at the pizza shop. And uh, next thing he knows that he they just burned him and they lynched him in his room though. And Finn though he didn't see it coming though because he thought the guy was guilty. But it turns out that. Um, that that the you know the sex offender you know he was cute he was like um burned and lynched though but it turns out that he he'd been set up and um right now the cops though they say that their suspects is like a like a it's like a neighborhood watch group they like a biker gang so it's like guardian angels and all that stuff though I mean they's like it's a biker gang that it's like a like bunch of neighborhood watchmen, and then the leader of a guy, like he's in the bike though. But they had nothing to do with it though. But in the end, it turns out though, you got like a a corrupt parole officer was behind that murder. I mean, he hired uh, these young men to go set the guy up though. Why? Because the um, the victim, you know, the brother, right? He was dating a white girl. I mean, he got locked up for having a sexual relationship with a white girl. I mean, uh, he claimed, you know, the suspect claims that he, um, they was having a relationship and then he turned 18, she was 15. So in other words, you know, the guy who got killed though, he was arrested for statutory rape. And, you know, he fell in love with, with a white girl. And uh, it was a black man, by the way. And he came out though, they say that, um, he was murdered for being with a white girl. And it turns out that the, you know, the parole officer, he's racist as hell, though. He set his ass up, though, because he don't like it when his um, daughter-in-law was, like, um, messing around with a black man. So he's racist as hell. And that was, like, and... So anyway, though, after I watched um, SVU, I was watching Organized Crime, and... Um, you got Stabler, you know, Christopher Maloney's character, Elliot Stabler, and Dylan McDermott's character, he's like Mr. Wheatley, I mean, he's like a monster and all that stuff. And with one scene, they came in face to face for the first time. And um, 
Captain Benson and she notices that Stabler is having PSTD. Wait, 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 no, wait, did I say it right? Uh, no, it was post traumatic stress disorder. PTSD, in other words. So, I mean, sorry, 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 sorry for misspelling. Excuse me. Excuse my language. Excuse me. PTSD. And Betsy knows that he has PTSD. And he just laughs it off and stuff like that. Like, he's nice, stuff like that. And and then in their conversation, though, Sabler tells Benson to back off. I mean, well, he he didn't say it in a bad way, but he said it in a good way because um he's trying to take down this my, this monster, and she doesn't he doesn't want her to get in the way because uh, they might try to take her out too. So I mean, I don't mean he well, maybe it makes sense that he don't mean to brush her off just like that though, but he cares about her and he's trying to protect her. So um. I mean, if he tells her to back off, I mean, he should have been vague about it. I tell, he should have told, he should have told her that there are these bad guys gonna be coming after you. So I just suggest you have to back off for now. I mean, I mean, he's just doing his thing to protect her and all that stuff. And um, I remember Sable's having nightmares in his house, and then, and then, and then. He starts getting anxiety, depressed, and he's just and then he, and then his baby baby son Eli, right? He comes in, puts his arms around him, and comfort and um, all the stuff. I mean, he's there for him. Now, um, Eli Stabler. I mean, Eli. He should be thirteen, but the dude he, he looked like fifteen or sixteen years old or something like that, though. And um, and um baby Eli though he was introduced since SVU back in season 9 and check it out baby Eli is getting big and he's like in his teens right now though I mean but he don't he said he might be 13 or 14 years old but he, he don't even look like 13 or 14 though so I mean you got the steel like the baby boy Eli he now big baby boy Eli big baby boy Eli or say uh, teen Eli something like that so Am I saying am I saying it right? Don't get me wrong. So hold up. I'm just coming from a hangover, just like that movie. Ah. I'm sorry about that. I mean, I'm just um I was so busy last night watching the Sopranos podcast and all that stuff and all stuff stuff. stuff. But anyway. I was watching the Good Day New York, and they got um, this uh, actor, Dick Cregan. Though he plays uh, Wheatley's son, he was on Good Day New York, and he was telling um, the, um, Rosanna Scott and Lori Soltz on Good Day New York, saying that uh, he met Christopher Maloney one time last weekend, and he gave him a serious look with the stable eyes, and um, he was um, he he was getting, and he also told me that he has a dog, and that he. And, you know, Christopher Maloney was getting his hair done and all that stuff, though. But, I mean, and I thought that Christopher Maloney's a funny dude, you know? So, hey, um, I don't know. They just met for the first time, you know? But it takes time. But, you know, I, mem- I remember looking at the Law & Order SVU bloopers, and, and you got the cast having a good time. They doing outtakes and all that stuff. So, it's, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. Now... <laughs> Now, hopefully, you know, 
I just want to let you know that Law and Order SVU and Law and Order Organized Crime airs on Thursdays on NBC beginning at 9 o'clock. So don't miss it. All right, now let's get to the episode. This is um where this is now Law and Order season one, episode eight, Stalked, and it's written by Roger Garrett and it's directed by Peter Maydak. Now Peter Maydak, though, he is the film director. He's like the film to make film film director who did um. This movie called Morgan Freeman. I mean, I think I forgot the name of it right now. I mean, it's not Along Came a Spider, but Peter made that though. Oh, oh yeah, I remember the movies. Kiss the Girls. He's the um, he's the film director that made Kiss the Girls with Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd, and um, that guy from um, CSI in New York. Oh yeah, yes, Gary Sinise. So. Yes, um, so that's Peter Maydak, though. He directed um, the movie Kiss the Girls with Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judge, and Peter Maydak. And I remember he d- directed an episode of Homicide Life on the Street. So um, I don't know what he's been doing right now, that Peter Maydak stuff like that, though. I don't know if he's doing films or television. I don't even know. All right, and um, this, this was the eighth episode of SVU aired on November 22nd, 1999. And in this episode, Ice-T is not there yet. You got Munch, Jeffries, Cassidy, Weston, Stabler, and Kragen, the original people, the original squad. Right? No Ice-T, no Cabot, not yet, no B.D. Wong. This is like the early days, 1999. So, um, let's get to the episode. Now we're in, we're in Central Park, right? You got um, your grandfather and his grand. You got, no, you got an elderly elderly man and his um, grandson. Though they're walking through the park, and um, the grandson wants to play some frisbee, so he throws a frisbee in, in the bushes. He'll say he'll get it, but Grandpa says he got it. And then the grandpa he finds a dead. He finds a body of a dead female in the bushes. And he tell when his son tries to show up, come show up, see him, he covers his eyes and he was looking for the frisbee, in other words. So the grandpa, his grandfather tells him, I'll buy you a new one. He want he don't want his grandson to see a dead body. I mean, he threw the frisbee right by the by the dead body. So he don't want his son to see that because that'll make him traumatized. So the next scene, you know, you got you know, in the next scene at Central Park, though, you did you got the um, homicide cop telling Benson Sabler that the victim's name is Kara Fitzgerald, who was an ADA, who happened to be raped and murdered. And Benson has seen her a couple of times. She and she ran into her a couple of times and had lunch with her. With her though, they were like acquaintances and all that stuff. So we at the unit though, the squad room. Benson said that she has been at ADA for two years, locking up perps while some of them have must have walked. And he must have be carrying their grudge. So they're, just, they're trying to figure it out that who's trying to carry the grudge and all that stuff. So um. And then Munch was mentioning some about this Labor Day rapist. So 
in there. So there's that's like a one suspect right there, though, because um I think that um Miss uh, Vicara Miss Gerald she uh, probably um she couldn't prosecute this this Labor Day rapist. I mean, he, he was probably got let go, something like that, though. I don't know. So they're trying to look into that suspect, the Liberty Rapist. So, um, and then Vincent and Sabler, though, they recanvass the crime scene with uh, another detective and they find a book. Then they see a bird watcher who they later ask questions about the ADA's murder. So, um, and Mr. Birdwatcher, you know, guess, check this out. He identified 10 people as their son's suspects. And um, and the cops they identified two of the ten perps, Ken DiMaggio, and he is char- he was charged with sodomy, and um, there was another one, Richard Wright, is a realtor, right? So this so they got like three three suspects. You got the Labor Day rapist, and um, and you got the um, the, the Mr. DiMaggio, and Mr. White. Now, we go to the next scene, you know, we go to Benson and Sabler, they talk to Mr. White. Me and Mr. White, Mr. Mr. White's like a character from the, um, um, what did you say, um, Reservoir Dogs? I mean, you got Mr. White, Mr. Pink, Mr. Red, Mr. Blue, Mr. Green, Mr. Yellow, Mr. Mister, Mr. Brown, Mr. Purple. Mr. Lavender, <laughs> but Mr. White or Mr. or Mr. Black or something like that. So anyway, <clears throat> Reservoir Dogs is a movie from Quentin Tarantino, released in 1992. <clears throat> Speaking about Quentin Tarantino, though, the movie that I like was um, Pulp Fiction, and I have that on my VHS. And thank goodness my VCR still works good condition I don't use the VCR that often but it's still a good condition to this day because I had the VCR for many years now now let's go back to let's go back to seeing you know this um messing the stabler though they talked to Mr. White in his office and um Mr. White was accused of date rape of a he was accused of a date rape of a lady named Louise he denies it saying that the sex was consensual and um and he sent her flowers and all that stuff and then the cops ask him where was he yesterday at the time of the ADA's murder and he tells them that he was checking the house in Queens and he was dealing with this guy named from Crim Properties some property and stuff like that though Meanwhile, Jeffries meets Mr. Levin, the Jewish guy, and she wants him to come to the station to ask questions about this, um, how he got in contact with the Labor Day rapist. So, um, he was so they know much. He's in the in the unit, though. He's looking into, I mean, he's and you know, Mr. Levin, he's IDing certain people who confronted him. On Labor Day, <laughs> excuse me. All right, so um, you got Mr. Levin right here. He's just um trying to find out who 
knocked them down and cursed them out on um and all that stuff you know it's like the Labor Day rapist and he got in he got he got he got into contact with the Labor Day rapist and all that stuff so he's trying to find recognize any a face I mean anybody that um that that um ran into him and cursed him out so he's looking on the computer he's looking for like these uh faces these suspects right and he points out that guy on the computer saying hey that's the putz that's the putz who called me a Jew bastard on Labor Day and and the suspect he is identified as John and he's from Canada so yeah, that's a suspect his name his name is um John he's a, a suspect is a Canadian named John DeSalt right so um so Mr. Levin tells Munch that he has to um, go to the synagogue because there's a Sabbath start. So, and Munch tells him hey, that they're gonna put him in a squad car to the Bronx. And Mr. Levin refuses to get in the squad car because the Sabbath starts in ten minutes. He preferred to walk though. However, Munch is concerned about his safety because he wouldn't even he wouldn't even let him go past the South Bronx. So, so he's just doing he's just Munch is being a nice guy to offer him a ride to. The, the synagogue up in Riverdale up in the Bronx though because he doesn't want him out there in the streets streets walking by himself when the sun goes down and stuff like that even though Mr. Levin is concerned about the Sabbath saying that um, Sabbath has kept the Jews and the Jews kept the Sabbath and stuff like that so much is just doing a good deed you know I mean about the Sabbath and um, I had uh, to admit, admit that that I'm also am a Sabbath observer. I'm not well. I'm not you. I'm not Jewish, but I read the Bible and um, I'm learning, just following the um, God's the Most High's law, statutes, and commandments. So I see it's a good thing, and much is doing a good deed on the dude. You know what I'm saying? Just offer him a ride to the synagogue instead of just walking over there by himself. I mean, let me tell you something. It will take him about maybe like two or three hours for Mr. Levin to walk from the precinct up to the synagogue up in Riverdale. I mean, do you know how far it is? I mean, the precinct somewhere like Midtown Manhattan, and it will take him like a couple hours to get up there. I mean. He's not gonna go. He's not gonna. He's not worried about it because he ain't worried about the people who will attack him while he's on the streets. Because you know, you know, you know, Harlem and Washington Ice used to be some rough areas. I'm not sure. I might be. I might be. Um, I might be wrong, but hopefully, you know, it's like um, Munch is doing a good deed to offer him a, offer him a ride rather than just. Um, trying to walk through walk through the streets alone to the synagogue I mean even though the synagogue is far like up in, in um, Riverdale up in the Bronx like towards his border or something like that so but it's a like I said though much did a good thing trying to offer a ride up to the Bronx rather than going walking up there so now meanwhile Mr. Stabler talked to a guy who works at Korean Properties and the guy said that he had business with Mr. White for some low-income housing and all that stuff, right? So back at the unit, back at the unit, Cassie told, told Munch that um, 
because the police are looking for John in Canada because they just got some information about that. And then Munch, you know, he mentions uh, like he mentions like a Dudley Do Right reference. He was like he was saying, "Oh, I'm, well, Dudley Do Right is looking for this and that, though. I mean, he was still a suspect and all that stuff. So I mean." John Munch brought out a Dudley Do Right reference and sort like that. So, if you don't know what Dudley Do Right is, though, he is like a it's a cartoon from the nineteen sixties, and he, and Dudley Do Right is like a it's a Canadian it's like it's about this Canadian dude who be catching chasing the bad guys, and it's a lot of humor over that. And the the Dudley Do Right cartoon, I think it, it was part of the Rocky Bullwinkle series or Underdog or something like that, though. But a lot of you y'all didn't know that Dudley Do Do Right was a cartoon back in the days in the 1960s. And um, I seen um, the Dudley Do Right a couple of times though, but I was more into like Rocky and Bullwinkle, Bulldogs, you know. But speaking of my cartoon, my favorite cartoon that I like to watch was Bugs Bunny. And you know, Spider Man, you know, the Smurfs, and I think it was uh, Super Friends, but I'm more into like Spider Man and uh, Amazing Friends and all that stuff, right? So, um, and then um, when when Munch was was bringing up the Dudley Do Right reference, though, and Cassie was like rain on my parade, and Munch was like, I'm not gonna rain on. I'm not gonna rain on your parade. I just want to blow up the floats. So he takes, and then Munch tells Cassie that he got a call about this. Imagine, you know, that he, the sodomite, he's working at a donut shop. So Munch takes Cassie there to meet Dimaggio. So, um, and then, um, Munch and Cat, we're at, we're at the donut shop, and then Munch and Cassie arrive at the donut shop, and then they looking for Ken DiMaggio, and then oh wait a minute, you know Munch asked um the the I think the manager uh, uh, is this uh, are those donuts safe to eat? So when they see Ken DiMaggio though, he changed his appearance a bit. I mean he was shaved, had his head shaved and all that stuff though. So um. And then Munch was like, we're looking for Ken DiMaggio. And DiMaggio was like, you trying to ruin my rep? And then mentions, and then Cassidy, he said, told him that he's not going to get the pastry spot, spot at Boule Bakery. Boule Bakery? Now, Boule Bakery, that I, I heard about that Boule before. Because the word Boule, that's like part of like a Illuminati ritual or something like that. Cause I heard about the black boule and all that stuff, you know. It's like the boule is like the word boule is like a a, a black Illuminati, a black a black a fraternity for black people. So I don't want to dig deep about that, but I remember when um, Cassie mentioned something about boule bakery. I mean, that reminds me about the Illuminati, but I'm not gonna get into it. Now and then, much month and then Cassie was telling Munch, is he he changed his appearance? Is he trying to be is trying to change his appearance? He's trying to look sexy or try to make himself look more uglier. And then Cassie was like, "What's next? Fake nose, fake mustache, <laughs> fake head, and all that stuff." And um, 
Munchie Cassidy, they he they want him to they want him to come to station. That he's being charged with rape homicide of that ADA, and then Demaggio remembers it was Fitzgerald. So um, yeah, and then and Demaggio says that Fitzgerald, the bitch, prosecuted me. So they ask him where was he at the time of the murder, and he tells him he was with his lover. And Munch was like, "Are you too gay to rape the ADA?" So, and then was funny scene, you know, it's like when uh, DiMaggio tries unsisted pants and pulls down his pants, he shows him that he got like, his crotch was like soca sulfuric acid as a welcoming back thing from Amira though. And for a moment, for, for a moment, oh, I thought that DiMaggio was asking these two cops to give him a blowjob. <laughs> Excuse my language, this, this is like a damn poor movie. That is ridiculous, though. This is, and then after that, the, the, the you know the scene cuts to the commercial and all that stuff, though. <laughs> oh my goodness, though. Oh my goodness. So, so anyway, you no, know, we at the act two. You know, we are back at the back of the unit, the precinct, something like the word, the squadron, what you might call it, right? And um, much tells Benson and that um, that the magical won't be. Um, Doing any penile penetration, and Benson asked why, and much tells her he got acid on his scrot, and Benson's like, "Ooh, so that rules Dimaggio out as a suspect." You know what I mean? So right now we got focus on the two, like Mr. White and um, the, the Canadian dude. So um, Benson and Slaver, though, they go to Luis's house and. Um, and uh, Luis tells him about Mr. White that he's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and um, she admitted that um, they um, he could get rough, he'd be hitting her and all that stuff. And then next thing you know, he brings her flowers, like no hard feelings, and um, trying to be all charming and all that shit. Right? Yeah. So, oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I didn't say best in slave for my bad. Let me retrace that. Right. Munch and Cassidy talked to White's one of White's victims, Miss Louise Billings, right? And Louise Billings, though, she um tells her that um, Mr. White is like Jekyll and Hyde, and he she tells him like de- tell tales about her sexual assault, yeah, and then he atta- and then he brings her flowers, saying no hard feelings, and um and then he's just like um. Beats her and all that stuff. He be, beats her, rapes her, and then next thing you know, is he uh, gives her flowers, like saying, "I apologize." So, um, meanwhile, back at the unit, Benson Stabler talks to um, Kara Fitzgerald's friend and colleague, and she tells him that there was this guy staring at them at the restaurant, and she points out it's Mr. White, and then at Cragen's office, Benson realizes that Mr. White is stalking these two women. You know, she and White was given one woman flowers, and then, and then he was like winking at uh, Kara Fitzgerald. The next, I mean, I mean, Benson assumes that White is stalking her, and Cragen doesn't even believe that though. So, um, so so they say they decided to go. They decided to tell him to go to talk to Mrs. Phillips. All right, and um. Mrs. Mrs. and then Benson and Sabler go out to Queens and they talk to um, 
with the wife's business partner, partner Miss Phillips. And you know, she, Mrs. Phillips was felt a little uncomfortable, and then she's a little vague about questions about the Mr. White and all that stuff. Saying and then she actually had to go. And um, Benson and Stabler realize something that Mr. White controls his victims and all that stuff. So Benson and Stabler tell Captain Craig back at his office that Mr. White controls his victims and all that stuff. Because um, and then um. When these two women try to fight back, though, is to gain control. He he fight he fights back by beating the woman to gain regain his control back. So um, at the inter- and next scene we're in an interrogation room and Benson confronts Mr. White in a, in a, in the interrogation and um, and then yeah, I mean uh, Mr. White though he could be manipulating and all that stuff and he telling her. He no. He went into Benson's background, and Mr. Weiss told tells Benson that you she's been spending been been with the SU for a year, graduated from college, and all that stuff. That's like that's like why you why you want to get into a business, man? And then Benson tells him that you being nosy, and Mr. White responds, "You a bitch." Oh. I mean, he trying to do some mind games and all that stuff, like psychological stuff. Like, he's like a, I mean, Mr. White is like a damn sociopath or something like that, though. I mean, he was looking into Benson's file. I mean, how could he do that, though? I mean, he was looking into, he was looking into a public record and he tried to use that shit against her. Man. So, um, even though she did her best, Craig decides to let, um, Mr. White go. So Mr. White leaves the um, interrogation room and Cragen tells Benson that we're going to get him back here again. So, okay, so act three, you know, I mean, with some Cassie comes in the squad room and tells his colleagues that John has been found dead after OD in the hotel room. So turns out though that that takes him takes him that he's ruled out as a suspect i mean right now we're back down to richard white so they try to do some investigation on mr white and it turns out there were some low bank loan issues and financial problems between white and phillips now best is able to talk to mrs phillips again and they re-interview her again and they realize that she fears mr white because he gets mad when he when he takes no for an answer, like he snaps and try to get try to get physical and all that shit. And I mean, he going, I mean, he going all out crazy. And it turns out she fears Mr. White. So Benson and Stabler, you know, the unit though, they decide to um, get a search warrant and go to, to Mr. White's house. So they're in Mr. White's um, apartment. They're trying to find some evidence and all that stuff. But it turns out that Mr. White is gone. Now, Sabler, oh my goodness. And then, oh, that's crazy. So, um, back at the, back at the unit, right? Or the priest or whatever, or the squad room. Much is, much is concerned about Benson because, um, 
I mean, they, she's starting to get to him, and Benson ain't worried about that, you know, he's, but wait, Benson ain't worried about it, because he's trying to get into her head and stuff like that, though, but Munches tells her that the unit got her back, though, so, they, so, they, he's just being nice, you know, he, and he asked, um, Benson, he, he could give her a ride home and all that stuff, but she, she doesn't want to, and she says she'll be all right. So as soon as Munch leaves the squad room, Sable comes in and he bring gives her this uh, folder about um about um what feels like feels like to do like the gym, laundry, and all that stuff though. And he found this um, folder from somewhere in Mr. White's um, little apartment, and it turns out it turns out. That um, Mr. White is stalking Benson. He be following her, her ass around. I don't believe at first though, they thought he was going. He was going. Mr. White was going after his business partner, but it turns out though, he's Mr. White is going after Benson. But look, uh oh, is she gonna be in peril? Is Benson gonna be in danger? I don't know with with Benson. I mean, does she? takes and she takes this case personally because after her ADN 88 friend got murdered though raped and murdered though she takes it personally I mean she was so gun ho to bring this guy down though but it turns out though though that she could be Mr. she could be Mr. White's next victim okay so after the commercial we're at act four here comes Stable he picks up Bessa up for work and um Nancy was like, you drove all the way to Queens, get onto another car, pick me up from to an apartment, stuff like that. That's typical. So um they get they get a call from somebody. It turns out that Louise Billings has been has been found bed. Louise Billings hasn't has been found dead in her bed. And then then they talked to her neighbor who's actually a witness though. He been hearing the shots and he hears a guy screaming bitch from his apartment and stuff like that though. So best of the save they should show them some pictures. And the neighbor points out to Mr. White. Whoa, looks like Mr. White is a primary suspect. So while the squad looks for Mr. White though, Benson receives flowers from 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 Mr. White for forgiveness. So um Benson and Sabler they go to the flower shop and it, tur- it turns out the flowers was made from made from Mr. White's mother. So um Benson and Sabler though they go talk to Mr. White's mother in New Jersey. Tell and Mrs. and Mrs. White tells him that he's a taker. And, and every time when his father died, and she also tells him when her when her father died, though he always be asking for money, cause she tells him that he came over here at nine nine a.m. in the morning feeling disheveled and asking for money and all that stuff though. But then then Mrs. Um, Mrs. White tells him that they're not making any making any serious money. They gotta deal with dirt all day. <laughs> And so the next scene, Sable drops Benson off at her building. You know, I mean, he's concerned about her. He tells her after he drops her off, tell her she she he tells her just to 
giving her rain when he's in, she's when she's in the apartment or something like that though. And um Bessus was like, You stubborn, you stubborn. But I mean Benson is just just was best to protect her and all that stuff. I mean, he's worried about her and all that stuff. So later at night, though, Benson is sleeping and then she gets a call from Mr. White. And Mr. White tells Benson to meet him at Central Park Rambling where his victim got killed. In other words, um, Mrs. Vigero got killed. And then he threatens her, saying... If I see a cop out there, we're not going to consume our relationship. And then he hangs up the phone. So, now we at the Central Park right now. You know, you know the area where the, where the lady was murdered, though? And she's looking around trying to see if Mr. White will show up. So, she sees a homeless guy pass by, waving at her, gives her a kiss and all that stuff. So, she smiles, though. Next thing he knows is uh, she see she sees a a guy who was jogging who was jogging her. Oh wait a minute! And then next thing he knows she sees a a guy running behind the jogger, and all of a sudden he takes out a knife trying to attack her, and then the jogger screams, and then you know the attacker turns out to be Mr. White. So guess what? They guess what? The cops came by and they they just arrested him. I mean it was a setup though, and Mr. White didn't. Didn't like that though. I mean, they ambushed him while he was. They ambushed Mr. White while he was attempting to attack a jogger. And um, and then Mr. White got mad, saying, "Call Benson a bitch." Next thing he knows, that he's arrested. He's taken back to the interrogation room. So um, Benson talks the interrogate Mr. White alone again, and Mr. White admitted that he. Hit her with a rock and and then attacked her, sexually assaulted, and killed her with a rock. I mean, he, Mr. White, admitted that he killed her for embarrassing him in court. Although he never mentioned a gun, so question best didn't ask him how'd you kill her. He never mentioned a gun, and he said he had cut her with a knife, even though Benson. Well, no, no, excuse me, Stabler assumes that he had a gun and threw it away in, in the river to get rid of his evidence. And then all of a sudden, Mr. White was trying to get in Benson's head again, saying, we're at the hip right now. I'm not going to die, you know? And we're at the hip right now and all this stuff. we together. I mean, he's doing some psychological bullshit again. I mean, manipulating, crazy, psychopath, I mean... He be mind fucking, excuse my language, so he be mind messing with these people, man. Like, he's some kind of sociopath, right? And then, he ain't gonna back down. You see, do you see how arrogant he is? And then, all of a sudden, though, he looks into the mirror, and he asks the, sec- the, the, the detective Stabler, how are his wife and kids? And Stabler ain't saying nothing. I mean, he was like, What? And then the episode ends right there. So, I mean, it was a good episode. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, you got this Mr. White. He's like an arrogant, prideful jerk that he is. And he's a psychopath he is. I mean, 
he thinks that he he thinks that he's he thinks that he's invisible. I mean, he can't be touched. But he crazy. I mean, you killing in like a couple of people. I mean, he's like Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. So, in other words, you know, most of the episode dealt with stalking. You see how crazy he was, man. But I'm telling you, man, that was a creepy little episode. But it got a lot of clues, you know. I mean, he got um not a lot of clues, but it's like um you you got you have to get inside a criminal's head and then he uses he probably manipulates people talking all that bs and stuff like that in other words he like a sociopath and a psychopath but in the end though he gotta get locked up and all that stuff i mean you you killing an 88 for embarrassing him in court like that though i mean this mr white has so much pride like he doesn't give a shit he arrogant he crazy and all that stuff i mean come on y'all so anyway, it's a good, it's a good episode. So I hope you like it, and um, hopefully I'll be back next Monday for another episode. So you could find um, you you could find Twisted and SVU podcasts on Apple or Spotify and all this stuff and all the other stuff. So hopefully, but I hope next week episode. Oh, next week's episode though is going to be dealing with S and M. That's my preview. So we're gonna get into that because because this is this topic is all about SMMs because I'm gonna talk about that stuff. So I wanna get into that because I'm not gonna spoil the surprise. So this is um BD Rose Twisted. This is Chris's the SV and SVU podcast. And I'll talk to you next week. Have a blessed day.